Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. We just finished Season 10, and we're gearing up for Season 11, which will feature Heart Warrior siblings. In the interim, we are going to put a spotlight on cardiac athletes. Lars Andrews actually wrote a book called Cardiac Athletes, and he has been a guest on Heart to Heart with Anna. Cardiac Athletes features stories about athletes who have undergone cardiac procedures. Some of the athletes were born with congenital heart defects, and some had acquired heart disease. Today, and for the next several weeks, we'll be meeting with some cardiac athletes. So, welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Benjamin Lee. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to have you on the program today, and I'm curious to learn about your cardiac condition. Sure. I am 39 years old. Back in 2007, I was diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM, and I went into my physician for a routine physical, and something came up abnormal on the EKG. My T wave was actually inverted, and so from there, I saw my local cardiologist and Ended up seeing three cardiologists, and I ended up getting diagnosed with HCM, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so it's a genetic condition where a portion of the heart muscle is enlarged. And so got diagnosed with that. That was a big surprise. Never really had any issues, for the most part, with exercise or anything like that. You were in your 20s? You were 29 when that happened? Let's see here. In 2007, I would have been, yeah, 27. 27, 28. Yeah. So it was a big surprise. I've always been involved with fitness and exercise, but I'm thankful they asked me if I wanted to do a EKG. And I said, is it covered by insurance? And they said, yes. So I said, let's go ahead and do it. So I'm happy that I identified it. I had another issue come up a few years ago. So I'm happy that I at least, you know, learned what was taking place. Now with HCM, isn't that a condition where the heart wall is actually thicker and can't it actually cause problems with the heart beating properly? Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's going to be some abnormal thickening and it really depends upon each person. Thankfully, I don't have any obstruction of blood flow, Mm -hmm. but that can happen. The other issue too is with the electrical component. There's a small amount of people that can have sudden cardiac arrest as a result of it. And so it's a major condition. And a lot of people have it that are not aware of it. Right. Isn't that often the cause of death for some athletes that we find who just pass out on the playing field? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes there can be some other issues involved, you know, with respect to the heart. But unfortunately, that can often be the case. So I met a, a woman named uh, Lisa Salzberg, and she really helped me out with this. She has a nonprofit group, HCMA, and it really just helped me out because I, I had no idea what it was. There's another condition called athlete's heart. So people who exercise, you know, naturally, there will be some thickening of the heart. 
they had to determine first, did I have athlete's heart or was this something else? And so I was in Columbia, Missouri at the time, and I was in pharmaceutical sales. So I was already working with cardiologists. And, and so from there, I went to Wash U in St. Louis to talk to a specialist there. He confirmed it. He said, no, you have HCM. But I wanted another opinion, so I went to Minneapolis Heart Institute, where Dr. Barry Marin was at the time, and there's a whole HCM center there. And so that's where I got the conclusive, you know, this is exactly what you have. So it's a big deal, and one in 400 people have it. And so when you really start thinking about that, you know, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Okay, so it sounds like you had been an athlete all your life. I'm sure when you were in school as a kid, you had to have physicals. This isn't anything that presented itself when you had your regular physicals? No, not that I know of. I kind of joke around. I tried to be an athlete, played basketball, I ran cross country. Never had any issues. There was a brief period when I was younger where one of my docs thought I had asthma. And so... Uh, They put me on an inhaler, and I know sometimes that can be misdiagnosed, but I kind of outgrew that, and I don't know exactly what that may have been, but outside of that, never, really never had any problems. So apparently this is something that you are born with. Is this something that has a genetic component? It is, yes. They have identified some of the genes. I've done some DNA testing, so it is something that is genetic. And so have people in your family been tested as well, now that you know this diagnosis is conclusive? Well, I have, and I still am. I'm encouraging my family members. But to be honest, I don't think other family members have. I have a sister. She's five years older than I am. And I know she's got some other health conditions. So I know she's going in and she has talked to her physician about what I have. But, you know, sometimes that happens. You try to encourage family members. You do the best you can. Hope that they'll listen and, and uh, heed the warning. But I, I'm not really for sure of anyone in my family that has a condition. But it is a genetic condition. So do you know of past family members who died suddenly where you might look back now and say, oh, my goodness, I wonder if he had HCM? Yes, that's something I was looking for and something that I've talked to my mom about. My father passed away about six years ago and he had cancer, but I don't know of any other family members that have died suddenly or anything like that. So it's kind of been interesting. I've been doing some research and have done some in the past, but there's a few family members that I kind of think about with some of the things that they've said and things like that. But again, you know, you try to encourage people as much as possible you know, but they still got to take those necessary steps. What was ironic was when I was in sales, I was in sales for about eight years. And one of my colleagues that I worked with after I left the company, we called up about three years ago and she informed me that she has the same condition. <gasps> uh, and so wow. I, was, I was, yeah, I was totally surprised to hear that. And You know, you just never know. That's why it's important to keep up with our health and yep. uh, to be aggressive. But I think that's also why it's important to talk to people about it. Don't you, Benjamin? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing things like this is great. And the more awareness and just being aggressive and proactive, the better off we'll be. Absolutely. The most common themes that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think. Being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. 
Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. So do you mind if I ask if you're married? I am married. No, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I am married. Uh-huh. I've been married now for 13 years. My wife's name is Nikki. Fun fact about us, when we met, her maiden name was Benjamin. So I said, well, listen, that's my first name. We should just go ahead and get married. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, okay. No, she Aww. didn't say that. But, uh, but we ended up getting married. And uh, I have a son named Joshua, and he's six years old. He just turned six not too long ago. So we've been blessed to have him. I'm hoping and praying. I th- you know, it's basically like a, a one in two chance if he will have HCM. So wow, hoping and praying that he will not so, have that. So there's a 50-50 yeah, so chance. chance. Well, you know, yeah. so either he will or he won't, which is pretty much the way it would be anyway, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we say one in 400, but the chances are much higher since you obviously have it. And really, either he will or he won't. So how old will he be before you have him tested? Well, that's something that I've been looking into right now. Some have suggested around nine or 10 years old. I've been thinking about getting like a baseline for him, you know, like with his EKG. He's still really young, though. So what I've been advised is to wait a little bit longer and then kind of start checking and seeing. Is there any downside to having him tested early? I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that fully. I, I don't know if the reasoning is behind just because he's so young with that, someone did recommend go ahead and start getting some some records now, but I'm not really for sure. Well, I guess the reason I ask is because it just breaks my heart every time I hear of a middle school or a teenage athlete who passes yeah. out and then, you know, ends up dead and come to find out it was an undiagnosed heart condition. And so I, I think to myself, well, since we know heart defects are the number one birth defect and it's not something that's talked about often enough, but we do know that as a society and as part of the heart community, why don't we encourage doctors to, when their children have their annual physical, you know, stick the monitor on them get that baseline data. And it's a non-invasive procedure. It's actually really quick now compared to what it used to be, you know, 20 years Mm -hmm. ago when my son first started getting them. Yeah, there's little sticky things that you have to put on and then take off. But really, that's more of an annoyance than anything. And they can do it now in what, 10 minutes? Yeah, it doesn't take long. And, you know, I've been thinking about this too. I'm in Texas right now. So we got affected with Hurricane Harvey. So Things have kind of been off a little bit, but, but yeah, this is a good reminder for me. I need to go ahead and do that, get that set up and just start getting some information on them. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you had this condition probably all your life, but you didn't know. You don't know of any other family members, but there is a genetic component. But now you're being an advocate for this in your family, and I think that's wonderful. And I hope your son is on the other side and doesn't end up having this. But if he does, at least his daddy is smart and is getting it checked out early, (laughs) right? Yeah. And so what kind of accommodations have had to be made now that you've had this diagnosis? Well, that's a great question. When you get a diagnosis like this, it really does put everything into perspective. It forces you to figure out what's important. And from a health standpoint, after getting this diagnosis, 
what I did for the next few years was to just follow up and I continue to get my EKG and my echo, my cardiac MRI, and nothing really has changed. But in 2010, I ended up getting an um, internal cardio defibrillator, an ICD, placed because my physician that I talked to, he said, you can really describe this condition with one word, and that is unpredictable. So, you know, I'd been thinking a lot about once you get a defibrillator, you know, that changes everything. You know, I mean, it changes health insurance, it changes life insurance, and you got a piece of metal in your chest. <laughs> so that was probably one of the big accommodations or the biggest accommodation that I had to do. I was still exercising and it does put some fear into you. Now you start thinking, okay, what's going to happen if I exercise or if I do too much? But thankfully, I was able to work through that. But then I got the defibrillator in 2010. So that added a whole nother dimension of accommodations and what I can do with exercise and things like that. So I just got my second defibrillator last December, December 29th. And I got that put in at Tufts Medical Center out in Boston. And thank the Lord, things are going well with that device. And I haven't had any problems. I've never been shocked which is a blessing. You know, I've heard stories about people who have been shocked. Thankfully, as of now, I have not received any shock from the defibrillator. Do you think that this gives Nikki a sense of security that there's something looking over you, protecting you just in case? Yes, it's a mixture of feelings for Nikki. Security in the sense that I do have it. And yet there's still, you know, there's still some fear and apprehension there. Just because, okay, you have the device, and now what if it doesn't work or what if it does shock you or what if it shocks you inadvertently? And so I think it does help her out, you know, the fact that I do have it. And it was a big deal getting it in 2010. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat or say, you know, it wasn't a big deal at all. It was. It changes everything. I mean, just having a device in your chest. And so that's had an impact on her. And we've had to process some things throughout the years. I think it does give her a little bit more comfort knowing in the event anything happens, I do have a backup plan. And that's really the way that it's designed. This is more preventative in nature in the event that I went into some fatal heart rhythm. Right. Right. I think that these are life-saving devices. It doesn't come without fear, like you said, because what if something happens to that device? But I think it's great that you have your own monitoring system. And this is probably going to give your doctors a heads up if things start to go in a direction that you don't want it to. And then they can decide what measures they need to take next. So Mm -hmm. I'm impressed that you are continuing to exercise despite getting a diagnosis, which I'm sure was scary. And despite having to exercise with this new device in your body, I'm sure that makes it feel strange. So can you tell me what being a cardiac athlete means to you? Sure. Being a cardiac athlete is a big deal. And part of it, for me, it's it's really all about attitude. So I have an ICD and I decided instead of that meaning internal cardio defibrillator, I've changed it. And so it doesn't mean that to me anymore. I mean, it does, but you know what I'm talking about. Instead, it means... I can do. And so what I've... Oh, I love that. Well, thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. I can do. Exactly. Okay, great. I can do. and Because really, you have to have that because I had two options after I got the device. The first time I got it in 2010, you can't really do anything for five, six weeks. And then you got to really take it easy. But you got to get back out there. And so I've always loved fitness. I've always loved to exercise. I like to run. I like to lift weights. 
And I had to start all over again with five or 10 pound dumbbells and things like that. So for me, being a cardiac athlete, I want to motivate and inspire people. As you mentioned earlier, in the event this happens to my son, I want to be able to motivate and inspire him that, you know, life is not over. Uh, We're going to have some different challenges. We're going to have to adapt and do some things differently. But it really goes back to attitude. And so I've had to start over about three times. The first time in 2010, getting the device. Then in 2014, I was actually on the treadmill working out. And I ended up having a blood clot in my right coronary artery. While I was working out, I felt like I was having a heart attack, even though I've never had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I have what's called an apical aneurysm which a small percentage of people with HCM have. And so that was, you know, that was nuts. I just had no idea what was going on. You know, it's interesting because I was in pharmaceutical sales and I used to sell from the American Journal of Cardiology. And a couple of years later, actually in 2015, I'm a case study now in the American Journal of Cardiology because it really is serious. <laughs> oh my you know, gosh. With, with having that event, they described it as a cardiovascular event. And, you know, that's a big deal just having that blood clot. So I'm on a blood thinner right now. I'm going to be on that indefinitely. But I had to start all over with that. I had to go to cardiac rehab. And, you know, oh my so, gosh. You know I'm walking on the treadmill at 1.7 miles per hour. And, you know, you got to start all over. But that's the idea of the ICD that I can do. You got to believe mm-hmm. in yourself. And, and obviously, you have to be wise. So I'm not doing any marathons or anything like that or lifting super heavy weights. But, you got to bounce back and you get two options. You know, I need to stay healthy. So I can't go to the extreme of eating my sorrows away. Right. You know, I need to get out there and I need to work and I need to be around to the best of my ability for my family. Wow. I love your attitude. I think you've got the right attitude. You are a lucky man. It sounds to me like there were many opportunities that could have gone the other way. And it sounds to me like you have some guardian angels watching over you. You've also got the right attitude, which I think is amazing. And I'm so enjoying hearing your story. Now, are you going to be participating in Lars's book, too, about cardiac athletes? I do not know. I have not spoken to him, so I really don't know. I'd love to help out any way possible. I think you should. I think you should check into it because both of the other cardiac athletes that I have featured in this series are both taking part in that. And oh, cool. I think your story is really unique. It's totally different from Lisa's and totally different from Tim's. So I think it would add some nice variety yeah. to the book. And it sounds like this is something that we need to shed more awareness on. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Benjamin. You are welcome, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, it was fun. So thanks for listening today, folks. Please come back next week when we'll feature another cardiac athlete. And until then, my friends, remember, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. 
We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.